Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Tuesday, March 7th. Good morning, and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air on the Memorial of Saints Perpetua and Felicity, Martyrs of the Early Church. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverins and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you this morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Tuesdays, we always remember the guardian angels. Each one of us has a guardian angel. So pray often to your guardian angel asking these heavenly companions for help. I got an inspiration the other day. I think my guardian angel's name is Pasquale uh, because I was born on Easter Sunday. I'll have to tell you the story of uh, the sisters, the nuns, uh, the day I was born and why they thought I should have actually been named Pasquale. Now, uh, you can always find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. And as always, you can send us an email directly with any of your thoughts comments or show ideas morningair at relevantradio.com I want to bring in our morning air team Glenn and Sarah Glenn what are a few of the big stories uh, making headlines here on this Tuesday morning well, John one of the big ones is a sad and scary story of four Americans kidnapped in Mexico right over the border from uh, Brownsville Texas it's an area of Mexico federal government recommends no Americans travel also appears to be a case of mistaken identity and four Americans were taken there. They were headed there for medical procedure. And uh, again, appears to be a case of mistaken identity. The U.S. trying to work with the Mexican government to, to find these uh, four folks kidnapped, John. Yeah, and, uh, and we do have to... some reaction uh, from the White House. We are closely following the assault and kidnapping of four U.S. citizens uh, in Matamorosa, Mexico. Uh, these sorts of attacks are unacceptable. Our thoughts are with the families of these individuals, and we stand ready to provide all appropriate consular assistance. U.S. law enforcement is in touch with Mexican law enforcement. The Departments of State and Homeland Security are also coordinating with Mexican authorities, and we will continue to coordinate uh, with Mexico and push them for, uh, to bring those responsible to justice. Very uh, disturbing story, uh, Glenn. Obviously, uh, our thoughts and prayers are, are with uh, all four of these Americans uh, kidnapped. Uh, one of them has been identified as of this morning. Yeah, and they're learning a little more about this. Again, uh, folks heading down there for a medical procedure, uh, but uh, traveling by a van through an area that uh, it's not recommended that Americans travel in. A uh, lot of violence, uh, drug-related violence, kidnappings, uh, uh, not uncommon in that part of uh, Mexico in the northeastern portion just across the, the border from Brownsville, Texas. Absolutely. And uh, and we have relevant radio stations uh, down there. So please uh, listen to authorities and be extremely careful. It is extremely dangerous on the other side uh, of the border. Uh, meanwhile, uh, California Governor uh, Gavin Newsom uh, says that California is going to boycott Walgreens uh, because uh, it won't sell abortion uh, drugs, uh, these abortion pills in, uh, in many uh, pro-life uh, states. So uh, this is uh, the latest move by uh, the governor of California, Glenn. Yeah, a letter to Walgreens from uh, 20 attorneys general uh, requested that they not to make those uh, drugs available in states uh, where they uh, do not want to have uh, more abortion. And uh, so Walgreens actually bent to pressure a little bit there, which is good news. We've 
had people calling for boycotts of Walgreens uh, from the pro-life side, uh, and here they aren't uh, abortion-friendly enough for uh, potential presidential candidate Gavin Newsom. Absolutely, and uh, this is something that we've been talking about uh, here for the last couple of weeks, and uh, there have been, you know, many protests uh, right in Walgreens headquarters here in the in the Chicago area in Deerfield uh, recently. So I guess the message is getting through. Uh, they're starting to feel uh, that pressure. Yeah. They are. They are. But hey, this, uh, this time of day, we turn our thoughts off into breakfast and breakfast cereal. It's National Cereal Day today, John. You got a favorite cereal? Oh, my goodness. Are, are you kidding me? <laughs> when I was a kid, I loved Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. Uh, I, I loved uh, the cartoon of the Captain, the commercials. I loved everything about it. Uh, Quisp and Quake was right behind it. actually tasted sort of like Captain Crunch. And uh, who could forget Cocoa Pops? But uh, I, I'd say Captain Crunch. Uh, Captain Crunch and the barefoot pirate Jacques Lafoot. No. Do you still have Captain Crunch from time to time? <laughs> no, no. We don't bring any near occasion of bad food into the home anymore. Yeah, you know, I'm just, oh. I'm just, it's interesting to me, John, that you know the names of all of these fictional serial characters. <laughs> and you could recall that so quickly without, uh, you know, you're just finding out that it's cereal day and you just, <clears throat> on the tip of your tongue, you just got that guy's name, uh, Jacques Lafoute. It's uh, oh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, yeah, I got to tell you, you know, I mean, I, I I didn't just have a little ball. Sometimes I used to dump like the, half the box into a giant bowl when I was a kid. I love that stuff. Well, you know, there's always a secret prize somewhere in some of those cereals. So uh, I could see maybe partly you're looking for the prize and partly you're just a very hungry kid. I'm just happy you're not in my house. That sounds expensive. Yeah. Now, oh, what about but- you? What about your kids? Do they do they uh, are they cereal eaters? Uh, they are. They have fallen uh, for the trap that my husband has laid for them with the cinnamon toast crunch. That's a, a big one in our house. We're doing the cinnamon yeah. toast crunch often. And I, you know what I find interesting is that there's as much sugar in cinnamon toast crunch and and cocoa puffs and and tricks and all of these cereals as in Honey Nut Cheerios, which is supposedly a very healthy cereal. So wait I just, a minute, I find it you very mean, interesting. <laughs> I'm eating Honey Nut Cheerios, and I might as well be eating tricks. And I that's mean, once in a great while on vacation, I will, I will, you know, go down to the buffet, and if they have Fruit Loops, I'll do the Fruit Loops. Or at at home, maybe once a year, I'll buy a box of tricks, which you know I can eat in about you know two breakfasts. But uh, Captain Crunch, though, just quickly before we go, I tell you that is the world's toughest cereal that will not soften up in milk. Don't leave it in the bowl because it's like concrete trying to get it out of there if you don't rinse it out at the end. I tell you, we did a promotion once at a station for Super Bowl tickets and we had people scooping giant spoons into a bowl, a Super Bowl of cereal. It was a a kid's baby pool filled with with Captain Crunch. We tried oh, to think funny. of the cereal that would last the longest. We had a, a you know little swimming pool full of cornflakes. That'd be kind of gross. Captain Crunch, we knew would never, never get soggy. And so that's our, that's our recommendation. If you ever have to do a promotion involving a really large amount of cereal and milk that's going to be sitting there for a while, go with the Captain Crunch. That is hilarious. Uh, I have matured uh, in my uh, <laughs> well, older age, and now I, I eat to healthy some. Quaker uh, oats oatmeal. So uh, with, 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 the, with the Quaker guy on, on the cover. So, uh, yeah, we've come a long way. Well, since. you know, I don't know about that, John, because I think I can see a pledge drive um, incentive coming up uh, for our listeners, you know, that we always say we're going to donate roses if we meet our goal in different places. But I'm thinking if we uh, uh, combined uh, 
Glenn's idea of that swimming pool full of Captain Crunch. And we said, hey, if we meet our, meet, meet our goals, John's going to try to eat all the cereal in this swimming I think that you would be up for that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That sounds kind of wacky. <laughs> I can see it. I, I'm seeing it right now. I can see you going for it. All right. Uh, more uh, cereal stories uh, next hour. Uh, thanks, as always. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn and Sarah. We uh, always begin every uh, morning in prayer, uh, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. Now, in this month of March, we honor and we remember St. Joseph, uh, the blessed spouse of our Blessed Mother Mary and the foster father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this short clip from uh, this beautiful hymn to St. Joseph sung by the Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. Yes, St. Joseph is such a great saint and such a great example of virtue for all of us, but especially for husbands and fathers. Uh, St. Joseph means so much to this reporter that I actually named uh, my son Joseph Dominic after St. Joseph and St. Dominic. Now, why should we entrust ourselves to St. Joseph when it comes to work, housing, and relationships? Joining us live from our nation's capital is Catholic writer Laura Di Maria uh, to share about St. Joseph, the patron of the Universal Church and also the terror of demons. Laura is a nonprofit management professional living in the Metro Washington, D.C. area. She's a revert to the faith. At her personal website, lauradimaria.com, she writes on topics including personal development, spiritual study, and living the Catholic faith in daily life. Good morning, Laura. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again in this morning to talk about St. Joseph. Good morning, John. Thanks so much for having me. And St. Joseph is one of my favorite saints, so I'm really glad to be here to speak with you about him. Well, we're on the same page together because I, I love I love St. Joseph, and I really, in recent years, have grown to love him and, uh, even more, uh, especially after the year of St. Joseph a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, what does St. Joseph mean to, uh, to you, uh, Laura? I, I believe that you actually do a novena to him every year. Oh, Yeah. Definitely. And that's the sort of thing where whether you're part of a community that's doing a novena, a lot of people, including myself, use PrayMoreNovenas.com. I don't actually know if they're doing the St. Joseph one this year um, or if you're just doing it on your own. You can just Google any novena, um, including to St. Joseph. So if that's something that you want to do, you know, start at nine days before the typically it's the 19th of March. This year it's the 20th since the 19th is a Sunday. Um, so St. Joseph, to me, what we know about him 
is not based on his words, which is so interesting. It's just based on his actions and then just kind of the tradition that's surrounding him. But what we know about him based on his actions are that he was quiet and he was humble and he followed God. He listened to God, you know, in his dreams and and he honored Mary and he protected her and he didn't run away. You know, so to me, St. Joseph is this person who exemplifies what it means to be close to Mary, to be close to Jesus, of course, because he was such an important part of, of Jesus's childhood and raising him and, and being the person that he became. Um, but he's also someone who, who responded to God. So he's, you can kind of see him as this antidote for, for a lot of what is, is of value in our world today, culturally, you know, fastness and lots of noise and we're jumping from thing to thing. St. Joseph was kind of the opposite of all that. You know, he's he's humble and he's quiet and he's consistent and patient and he doesn't need all the glory. So he's a wonderful reminder of all of these virtues, but also just practically how to live the life of faith. Well, I'll tell you, as I mentioned there at the at the beginning, St. Joseph uh, means so much to me that I actually named that my son after Joseph. My son mm-hmm. uh, is adopted, and I, I remember getting uh, this inspiration literally the day that we brought him home from the hospital. Uh, you know, I, I just had this this feeling deep down inside that it was almost like a beam of light hit me and said, you are to name mm-hmm. this boy Joseph in honor of mm-hmm. St. Joseph. And uh, so, uh, you know, I great uh, love and reverence uh, for St. Joseph. And you know what? A few years ago, uh, when I was discerning, returning back to Relevant Radio after having been working in pro-life for almost a decade, uh, I did this long novena to St. Joseph uh, to get me ready uh, in, mm. in, in preparation to, to return back to Relevant Radio. And it was, it was, it was a really traditional prayer uh, that goes all mm-hmm. the way back to the year uh, 50 AD, uh, according to tradition. So it was a, a powerful uh, way uh, to invoke St. Joseph in, even in, in, uh, on the job front. So he, he could help us in, mm-hmm. in many different ways. I want to invite our listeners mm-hmm. really quick. If you have a devotion to St. Joseph, um, the patron of the Universal Church, uh, the, the foster father of Jesus and h- husband of the Blessed Mother, the Terror of Demons is one of his titles. We would love to, to hear from you. We're taking your calls for a Catholic writer, Laura Di Maria, 888-914-9149. Laura, why should we I- entrust ourselves to St. Joseph when it, it comes to mm-hmm. some of these different issues like, uh, you know, uh, work, uh, yeah. looking for a home or even relationships? Yeah, so it's really appropriate that you turn to St. Joseph for a work question because he is known in sometimes as St. Joseph the worker. You know, so what's really emphasized, what the church really emphasizes about him, in addition to his humility and his quietness and his, um, you know, kind of his fidelity, is that he was a worker. He was a carpenter. We know that about him, and that's what he spent his life doing. That's how he supported the Holy Family. That's he, he taught Jesus that trade. And so he has now become a patron of work, you know, in all forms. And he's someone who can help us find the holiness and the joy and the beauty in everyday work. So that's why we go to him for that. For relationships, similar thing. You know, there was no one on this planet, arguably, who was closer to both Mary and Jesus. And that's exactly how we should be living our lives. He was also a father. You know, he was the foster father of Jesus. So he's a wonderful role model for men in particular. And I really encourage men to 
to learn about St. Joseph, to pray with him, to speak to him about what's going on in your life, in work and in family, uh, and, and entrust those things to him. And then, you know, just in general, I'll, I'll share with you a, a quote that I found from St. Thomas Aquinas. So he said that St. Joseph, about St. Joseph, that some saints are privileged to extend to us their patronage with particular efficacy in certain needs, but not in others. But our holy patron, St. Joseph, has the power to assist us in all cases, in every necessity, in every undertaking. So you don't just have to limit it to work and your faith life and you know it's it's kind of everything and and i believe also he's a patron of of homes and your home life because of his role within the home within the holy family and there's this tradition a lot of people bury a statue of saint joseph um, upside down outside of your house especially if you're trying to sell your house and that's supposed to do the trick that's supposed to get you a good buyer uh, but just put him in charge of your family life and your home because he is a, a patron of that and we know that behind Mary, he has is been viewed by many in the church as the most powerful saint that the Catholic Church has. Well, our producer, uh, Gabby, uh, has uh, been doing many novenas to St. Joseph, asking uh, uh, mm. for St. Joseph to guide her family uh, in the mm -hmm. purchase of a new home. They're, they're looking for mm -hmm. a, a new place, and so they're uh, asking St. Joseph. And I, this is something that mm -hmm. we all can do uh, when you're considering you know, moving and, and trying to find a, a new place. Yeah. And to me, I really see St. Joseph as he's almost like a patron of vocations, you know, because your vocations are going to be found in your work, in your family life and in your home. So personally, I've entrusted my vocation, whatever that means, you know, in all of its forms and aspects to St. Joseph. And he has not disappointed. We'll put it that way. Well, when you look at the litany of St. Joseph, there are so many different uh, titles uh, about St. Joseph. Yes. And uh, it reminds us of the myriad of virtues that St. Joseph, it's like, I don't even know where to begin to try to imitate him because cause you mentioned a few of them, you know, you know, being, you know, humble and, and quiet. And mm -hmm. obviously he doesn't say a word in, in scripture, but uh, there, there are so many virtues uh, that uh, men, of course, uh, can imitate, but I think women can learn too. Yeah, definitely. And so, again, if you want to Google some information about St. Joseph, just look up the Litany of St. Joseph. And I'm sure there's a couple of different versions of it, um, but I've, I've got one in front of me here. And so some of the things that are said about him, Joseph, most just, most chaste, most prudent, most strong, most obedient, most faithful. I think uh, lover of poverty is a really interesting one. We don't necessarily always go to a love of poverty as a way to be, but what can St. Joseph teach us about that? Um, and then, you know, when it, when it comes to women, again, St. Joseph is such a wonderful role model for men, but, but that's not it. You know, he's, he's a protect, he was a protector of the Virgin Mary. He's a protector of us and of the church, you know, the Holy Mother Church. And so in the Litany of St. Joseph, we have the words, pillar of families, support in difficulties, solace of the wretched, hope of the sick, you know, you think about some of the roles moms have and women have in their families as the one looking after the sick and the sad and support and difficulties. Um, these are all these are all things that all of us as humans take on, but women in particular who do have roles in supporting and helping and healing their families. St. Joseph is a wonderful one to turn to for that. And then you already mentioned my favorite of his names, which is Terror of Demons. Um, which is, it, it's almost funny, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's just so direct. And so if, if there's something in your life that, that the enemy of our human nature you feel like is attacking, then turn to St. Joseph. 
Laura, why do you suppose uh, that uh, uh, the enemy, uh, the evil spirits, these demons, um, are so afraid of St. Joseph? I think it's because of his role in the Holy Family. You know, we know, we know that families are the unit of society and of the world. It's really hard to attack someone if they have come from a whole, happy, intact family. And St. Joseph responded to the call of God. He served his place in that family and he was so close to Jesus. And it's similarly with Mary, both of them, their roles in the Holy Family, that, that's the place where the enemy is going to attack. And St. Joseph stood strong, and that's a real problem for the devil, but thankfully we've got him to help us, St. Joseph. And in this month of uh, March, we honor St. Joseph. His feast is uh, coming up uh, traditionally on the 19th of March, but this year it's going to be moved uh, to the following day on a Monday. So uh, we'll be talking much more about St. Joseph as we get closer to that day. Laura, as always, uh, really appreciate your your, uh, insights and perspective. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. And St. Joseph, pray for us. That was Laura DiMaria. You can find her at lauradimaria.com. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Professor Harry Kramer uh, will be with us to explain what happens when things begin to move faster and faster and we become busier and busier. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, There's much more to come as this Tuesday edition of Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. to start your day on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and Sarah Tafoya. It's good to be with you on this Tuesday morning in the second week of Lent. Wow, Lent is just flying by. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the playbook of life is from Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Jesus the Lord says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. God's word makes it very clear. Our eternal forgiveness and salvation depends upon whether or not we have forgiven those who have wronged us. On our own, forgiveness may seem impossible from a human perspective. Without the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing, especially when choosing to forgive. I want to encourage you uh, this Lent to try to go to confession and ask the Lord for the grace to forgive from the heart. Seventy times, seven times, as our Lord told us, for those who have hurt us. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. I want to switch gears and uh, and uh, talk about being busy uh, in the in the middle of our very busy lives. Sometimes we don't even have time to pause and breathe. It's hustle bustle, hustle bustle, 
every day, day after day. I want you to to listen to this uh, audio clip. Uh, It's a hilarious uh, video from the famous 1950s TV show, I Love Lucy, which, by the way, was one of my favorite shows when I was a little kid. I I always thought that uh, Ricky looked like my dad. But nevertheless, um, uh, Lucy and Ethel, um, in in this uh, clip, show what happens when they go to work in a candy factory and things begin to move faster and faster and they just can't keep up with wrapping the chocolates on the assembly line. All right, girls. Now, this is your last chance. If one piece of candy gets past you and into the packing room unwrapped, you're fired. Yes, ma'am. Let her <laughs> Yeah, we can handle this, okay? That's a lot. I think this... Well, you kind of get the idea. It actually plays much better uh, on video, but uh, it's a really, really funny, uh, goofy uh, scene. Now, oftentimes we confuse productivity with activity. Is multitasking, multitasking, I should say, uh, a solution uh, for the busyness in our lives? And why is it important to step back and dedicate some time to self reflection. Joining us live uh, with much more from the Chicago area is Morning Air regular contributor Professor Harry Kramer to talk about what happens when things move faster and faster and we become busier and busier. Harry's a professor of management and strategy at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management and is an executive partner with Madison Dearborn Partners, one of the largest private equity firms in the U.S. Good morning, Professor Harry. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you again. I hope you enjoyed that zany clip. That's <laughs> one of my one of my all time favorites, John. It is wonderful to always be with you. For sure, um, I love in your uh, most recent blog uh, that uh, you. Uh, Talk about the issue of being busier and busier and uh, tie it in precisely to this clip of I Love Lucy. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about uh, what you saw as the connection. Well, when you talk to people, they're always going to tell you, hey, John, how are you doing? And very, very often people just talk about how busy they are. I'm just real busy. I'm busy, busy. Uh, And we just keep going faster and faster. And, you know, even things, you know, like your, uh, your phone, uh, there's this perspective of, oh, well, isn't it wonderful that we now have these phones? Boy, that can help us go faster and faster. And as you said, John, the question is, we're moving faster. We're definitely moving faster. We're very, very active. But I always ask students, I ask executives, how productive are we? Yeah, yeah, we're we're very active. How productive? Or, or John, are we moving so fast? We don't even know how productive we are. Let's just keep moving. And this constant race, 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 uh, as opposed to taking the time to think about, wait a minute, what really does matter? Um, you know, why does God have us on this earth? What are we called to do? Um, what, how important, yes, we're moving around, but how important is our faith? How important is our family? How important is our health? Um, and I don't know how else to deal with this unless you take the time to be self-reflective, to actually pray, uh, to maybe to look to God for a little bit of direction. And this is something that we've talked about uh, in in the past. Uh, 
priorities, you know, just the very question, how important is our faith and what really does matter? And, you know, it's it's good to reflect on that all year round, but especially here during this season of Lent in which we're trying to go back to the basics and trying to grow a little deeper in our relationship with our Lord. Absolutely. Now, you and I talk about this. It's interesting, John, the number of people uh, that literally will say, and you'll hear them say this, I'm, I'm having trouble balancing my life. I'm having trouble balancing my life. Well, many people that are having trouble balancing their life with their work, their family, all of the distractions, what, what ends up happening is you forget that if you don't pray, if you're not self-reflective, how could you possibly figure out what really matters? And I don't know how you could possibly do it. So, so taking some time, as you said, to prioritize, to actually put things in order, to separate activity and productivity, to separate out what's urgent and what's important, just to slow down to think about what you're doing. I, I mentioned to my students a couple weeks ago, John, that think about what often happens to us, right? You get up in the morning and you start making a list. We all have these lists. And you make these lists of, you know, the 10, 15, 20 things you want to do or get down that day. And then it's during the day, you're crossing stuff off and you're crossing stuff off. But very, very often at the end of the day, John, the two or three most important things are still on the list. Well, why is that? Because I think we confused activity and productivity. Yeah, we're crossing some stuff off, but the things that really, really matter, that really do matter, are, are, we, t- are we taking care of those things? And very, very often we're not, John, because we don't take the time, as you said, to really prioritize. What do you think should be uh, at the top of the list, uh, if you can give us uh, your, uh, your suggestion? Well, it would seem to me, uh, John, again, I always tell the students, you know, rather than answers by opinion, says, you know, some people do Q&A, question and answer. I, I, in my classes, I do Q&O, John, question and opinion. So my opinion, which I'm very open with, is it would seem to me at the top of the list uh, should be my faith, should be my relationship with God, should be what, what Jesus has asked me to do, you know, as a Christian and, and as a Catholic. Um, but sometimes there's a little bit of, oh, I'm going to get to that. Of course, I'm, of course, that's important. I'm going to get to that after I get everything else done. Well, the reality of John is we're never going to get everything else done because it's impossible to get everything else done because there's a million things to do. But to actually take the time to think about what really matters. And it's interesting, John, I always appreciate, I, I bring a different leader uh, into class every week. And uh, it's very interesting. I had uh, a good friend of mine who was the, the CEO of a, of a very large bank. Um, and when the students said to him, well, you know, what, what's your priorities? What's more important? And they were expecting him to say, oh, well, you know, it's the, it's the bank. It's, it's, it's the job. And in a very open way in front of 100 students, he said, well, well let me list my priorities for you. He goes, my priorities are, number one, my faith, number two, my family, number three, my friends, number four, the job, it's important, number five, golf, the guy, the guy loved the golf, and he said, that's, that's my priorities, and he said, that doesn't mean that my work's not important, I've got to do my work, I've got to provide for my family, uh, but, you know, I, I want to really make sure you know, why I'm on this earth and what my priorities are and, and in what order. Um, and a lot of people will say that their faith is important, but then you look at their life, John, and you, you see that that's, that's not there. And I think that's what we're called to do. That's why we're on this earth. 
Absolutely. Uh, Professor Harry, I think that that um, pers- perspective in that order, you know, faith, uh, family and friends, and then your profession or vocation, I think that that is a, a good and prudent way to go. I don't think you can go wrong by making your faith uh, in the Lord, number one, your family uh, a, a second, and uh, whatever it is that you do for a living, uh, third, in that order. Yeah, it, 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 feel, it feels right to me, John. It, I mean, most people, if you take the time and stop, turn off the noise, get together with maybe your, your spouse and your friends and literally say, why am I on this earth? What am I called to do? Let's, let's, let's take a break from, there's a million things to do, right? We got to get the job done. We got to get the kids fed. We got to get them to school. We got it. We got to, got to, got There's a lot of things, but taking the time to figure out what is all of this for? What is the purpose? Why am I on this earth? It just seems to me, if you take the time to do that, you really will figure out the right order because you and I, as we're sitting here having this discussion, it seems pretty obvious, John. It almost seems like common sense to which every time I say the word common sense, John, I always go back to that uh, supposed quote from uh, Mark Twain, the American humorist, who supposedly said, John, if you stop and think about it, if you stop and pause, everything is common sense. The problem is that common sense is not common. Okay, you look at what goes on day to day, John, and you say, wow, it doesn't look like we have common sense. I love that quote. That's a great quote, and it, it, there's so much truth to it. Uh, it. It really, at times, it seems like common sense is not common. In fact, you know, right has become a wrong, black has become white. Uh, everything is upside down at times, it, it seems, uh, in our culture. Yeah, and you can see this a lot, John. You know, you're, you, you look at these, uh, these mobile phones with, with all, the, all the things that we can do on here, and you say, oh, well, boy, this will make us more productive. This will make us more productive uh, having this device. And then I ask myself, well, it makes us more active. That's for sure. But, but, but are we more productive? And I'll, I'll use a simple example, John. You know, 10, 20 years ago, if you were in a meeting with six or seven people and you took a break, when you take a break, I'd come up to you. Hey, John, how are you doing? How's the family? You know, how are things at church? What are you doing? Well, now, John, if you're in a meeting and you take a break for 10 minutes, ooh, ooh, everybody grabs their phone. I can go through 10 emails, 40 texts, 40 texts, a couple of Snapchats, whatever the heck that is. I'm, I'm just in motion, John. Uh, but again, how productive am I? And how consistent is that with what God is really asking me to do? Are we really becoming more sophisticated or are we actually regressing uh, as human beings? Uh, you know, when, when uh, the priority is to see uh, what's on my iPhone as opposed to maybe having some good uh, heart-to-heart conversation uh, with, with, with our colleagues. Yeah, I, I think about it. I think about it, John, all the time. You know, you'll, you'll see somebody uh, at an event. It, it, may, it may even be a baptism. It could be a, a confirmation. And, and see all these people with their iPhones or whatever device they've got, they're, they're, uh, they're recording it and they've got, they're trying to get their thing and say, well, wait a minute, are you ever present? Are you ever just living in the moment and actually being there? Um, and of course, all these recordings, I always find to be sort of interesting because when are you going to actually watch all these, right? I mean, there's so many things going on in one period of life. I don't know how many times you get to replay it, but, but literally being present. Being, being present, as opposed to, John, this whole issue of, uh, of multitasking, which uh, 
which that's one we should really talk about because that one is where we think, oh, well, if I can't get everything done sequentially, oh, I got a great idea. I'll do a couple things at the same time. Uh, and that really creates a, a delusion that, oh, I can multitask and, and really truly end up being more productive. I want to invite our listeners, uh, if you have any uh, thoughts on what it means to be truly present, uh, uh, on being more productive and what that actually means uh, when things, especially when things are going faster and faster uh, in our lives and you're busier and busier. If you have any uh, thoughts you'd like to share with us, we're taking your calls for Professor Harry Kramer at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. would love to hear uh, your perspective. So we're going to take a short break as we continue our discussion with Professor Harry. Stay with us. There's more to come on the other side. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm trying to figure out where I heard that music from uh, here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks uh, for joining us. As we continue our fascinating uh, discussion uh, with Morning Air contributor Harry Kramer, professor of management and strategy at uh, Kellogg School of Management. We've been talking about being busy, busy, busy as a bee, like uh, the music uh, reminded us, uh, and uh, it, it, how at times uh, we can be obsessed with this busyness and uh, what we can do about it. Again, as I, as I said, if you want to uh, share any thoughts uh, or perspective on this issue, you can uh, uh, join the conversation at 888-914-9149. If you feel at times overwhelmed, uh, you're just too busy and you're not able to really live in the moment, 888-914-9149. Professor Harry, uh, I know that you have a a rather interesting story of parents uh, who were present uh, without living in the moment. Yeah, it's... uh... It comes back to this uh, this comment you made before, John, of this, uh, oh, oh, I can multitask. I, I can do a bunch of things at the same time. And uh, yeah, the, the little story, John, with uh, each one of my five children, uh, when they were in grade school, I, I tried to be one of the coaches. And, you know, again, we're all busy, but I thought, okay, well, if I can get a couple of other folks together, we can trade off and what it could be more fun. So I was, I was coaching my uh, uh, one of my daughter's soccer teams. It was a first graders, and I'm trying to figure out how to play soccer because I was more of the baseball guy. So I'm 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 coaching this team of first graders, and all the the five six year olds are running around the field, and this one little girl uh, kicks a goal in, and I was so excited for her. She was all excited, and I said, "Oh, this this isn't this fantastic? I mean, you did you did a really great job, and even more important, uh, your folks are here. Your dad and mom are here watching you." And this little girl five years old looks at me and said, oh, Mr. Kramer, uh, they're, they're, they're not really here. Uh, they're, they're just watching their, their cell phones. I mean, they're, they're not really watching me at all. This, this happens all the time. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, wow. Here, 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 here's, a, here's a life lesson. You know, these parents think, oh, I, I'm really there. I'm really present for, for my daughter. And the five-year-old is aware they're not really there. It's uh, it was really one of those things for me. It was like, you know, to just assume, oh, well, they're small. They think they, they don't realize this. They realize this. 
They really realize this, which raises that issue, you know, are you really present? Are you there or are you just sort of going through the motion? You know, you're on a you're on a Zoom call for work and you're supposed to be working with your colleagues um, and you watch some of these folks and you can tell. I don't know if they're playing a computer game. I don't know if they're going through their email, but they're not really present at the meeting. Um, and sort of this whole idea, and there's been a lot of research done on this, John. I, I mentioned this in, in the blog post. There's a lot of work that's been done that multitasking truly isn't possible, all right? Just the, the mind uh, ability to be in two places at the same time and forget about the impact that's having on, on people that are your family or people that you care about. Um, so I'm I'm always really sensitive when people and you look at what what's happening when people are driving, John. Right? They're they're driving. Well, are they driving or are they on their phone? And now we're, now we're taking people's lives at risk for accidents, which is a, is increases significantly uh, when people have got a phone with them. Well, I love your story, uh, Professor Harry, because uh, I can relate to it uh, as a, as a baseball dad and as also a, a soccer dad, and I, I can just imagine uh, how kids would feel if. You know, the parents are on the iPhone and they're not really paying attention. So, uh, you know, it also reminds me, sometimes you see people in mass not paying attention, really. And I can't help but think to myself, are they really taking in the, this powerful sermon that the priest is, is, is sharing from the pulpit? Or are they just kind of going through the motions? Yeah, well, and that, that's such a great part when you think about the mass and what's the purpose and, you know, the fact that Jesus is present there in the mass. And you'll always hear people say, I mean, teenagers will say it all the time. Oh, well, you know, I didn't get anything out of the mass. They didn't, they didn't, what, do you think this is entertainment? I mean, do you think this is like a movie? Uh, are you, are you participating? What are you doing uh, to make the mass real? What are you doing by, by physically just more than being there? You are participating uh, in, you know, in what, what Christ is doing for us. It's, uh, it's, uh, I, I always think about this whole concept of, are we ever really present, John? It it reminds me of uh, when I was in high school, and I don't know if you remember it, John. Uh, it was a not a famous play, but there was a there was a play uh, called Our Town, and it was. It, you may take a look at it, John. It's a, a short play. It was written by Thornton Wilder, um, and it's a very interesting play, very philosophical. And there's a, a fellow whose role is the stage manager. I mean, you can tell his role really is God, but he walks around the stage. And a couple of different people appear. You go through this. And at one point in time, uh, a, a young woman dies. But she, on the, on, the, on the set, you just see her walking over to the stage manager. And she says, oh, oh, could I, could I go back once more? Could I go back once more? Uh, and he says, no, no, you, you can't go back. You, you understand life now different than people that are alive. Oh, oh, could I go back one day, one day to maybe my seventh or eighth birthday? And I get emotional about it, John, but she goes back and they replay the scene of her birthday or something. And she tries to stop the action and says, Mom, look at me for a minute. Just just look at me for a minute. And of course, the mother's playing the same role she played. That Oh, get your milk and, you know, eat your breakfast and get your book bag. We got to No, Mom, just look at me for a minute. And all of a sudden, the, the woman can't do anything because it's through replaying the same scene. And she yells out to the stage manager. I, I think the guy, oh, OK, take me away. Take me away. And in the line that I, I find most amazing, John, she literally says to the stage manager, does anybody ever realize life while they're living it? I love and it. And the stage manager looks and goes, well, well, um, no, not really. Well, may, maybe saints and poets, but, but, but not most people. They're, they're too busy. They don't really realize life while they're living it. 
every time I read that play, or you can watch it, it's a real old, I think, 1940s movie. It, it really gets me a little emotional because, you know, do we realize life while we're living it, John? Or are we, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that next week. I'll do that when I'm older. Well, how much time do you think you have, John? Uh, do you really know how much time you have? Well, P- Professor Harry, um, just as a footnote, uh, I-, I was uh, I was really curious. I recognize that music uh, that we uh, used uh, to-, to bump into this uh, second segment. Uh, Father Rocky uh, let us know this morning that that music actually comes from the Green Hornet, the old Green Hornet series. Green Hornet and Cato played by Bruce Lee. Now it came back to me. So there you go. We're living in the moment. We actually have time for a quick phone call uh, from Alice, who's joining us this morning from Schaumburg. Good morning, Alice. You're on with Professor Harry Kramer. Good morning. Can you hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. Good. Okay. Um, This uh, teenage boy said the reason he likes his girlfriend because she's a listener. So you know that you're always heard. Beautiful. That's beautiful, Alice. It's beautiful because very often when you're talking to somebody, you wonder, are they really listening? And then when they stop talking, are they listening, Alice? Or are they just taking a breath to keep talking? And they didn't hear a single word that you said. No, that's a great one. That's a great one. Thanks, Alice. Really uh, appreciate it. Uh, listening is is a, is a great skill uh, that I, I think is not as emphasized uh, in this day and age as it was years ago. Yeah. For sure. Professor, here in the final moments that we have, uh, can you uh, give us your, your, your final thoughts on uh, the, the importance of, of keeping this busyness, this, uh, you know, being so busy you don't have time to think mentality uh, in perspective? Yeah, I, I think, John, and I always say opinion, not answer. I actually think the answer to all of this, John, is to take a little bit of time turn off the, 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 the music, turn off the boxes, turn off the phones, get off by yourself, maybe somebody uh, significant to you, and literally ask yourself some of those real important questions, John. What are my values? What is my purpose? What really matters in my life? And if I'm Christian, if I'm Catholic, what is Jesus asking me to do? And is what am I doing day-to-day consistent with what I think Jesus would want me to do, which is kind of the reason why why we're sort of on this earth. And I think unless you do that, John, there is this tidal wave of, I'll just, I'll just go faster and faster. Um, because, you know, I, I always talk about that, you know, you're 168. You got 168 hours in a week. How are you spending that time compared to what you said was really most important? And when somebody says, well, I'd like to go to mass again, I'd like to pray, I don't have the time. You've always got the time, John. you got 168 hours. Is it a priority? Are you spending a lot of time doing things that really shouldn't be a priority? We'll have to leave it right there. Plenty to think about. Professor uh, Harry, thank you so much uh, for for being with us, as always. Really appreciate uh, your uh, perspective. Always great, my friend. God bless, and say hello to everybody on Relevant Radio for me. God bless you, too. Professor Harry Kramer, Professor of Management and Strategy at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn's Story Corner. Our story today is called Don't Judge by the Cover. 
He didn't look like much at first. He was too fat and his head was so big his mother feared it was misshapen or damaged. He didn't speak till he was well past two and even then with a strange Nicolalia that reinforced his parents' fears. He threw a small bowling ball at his little sister and chased his first violin teacher from the house by throwing a chair at her. There was in short no sign other than the patience to build card houses 14 stories high that the little child would grow up to be the new Copernicus, proclaiming a new theory of nature in which matter and energy swapped faces. Light beams bent, the stars danced, and space and time were flexible and elastic as bubblegum. No clue to suggest that he'd help send humanity lurching down the road to the atomic age with all its promise and dread. With the stroke of his pen on a letter to President Franklin Roosevelt in 1939, Certainly no reason to suspect that his image would be on t-shirts, coffee mugs, posters, and dolls. Albert Einstein. First Samuel 16:7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Great message. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, we're going to be joined by Father Charles uh, Truyols uh, from our nation's capital to talk about praying from the heart of our nation at the Catholic Information Center in D.C. And Catholic evangelist Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com, will tell us how to experience a true and lasting love-led revival. Stay with us. There's much more to come in the final hour of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. <laughs> 